All right. Well, if you guys will break out a Bible, trusting that you guys have something that you can get into the Word with, to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. Well, today is Christmas Eve, and you know, this, this is a day of huge anticipation, isn't it? I mean, just a lot culminates and comes together at this moment. That's, that's unique, maybe like no other day, because even like on your birthday, that's just, you know, you're, you're paying attention to that and a couple other people. But on Christmas Eve, everybody's paying attention to this day. And so the, the season that's been going on since I think September, is that when the Christmas season starts now? It's going to culminate here tomorrow. But today is that day of great anticipation. All your arrangements are about to be finished. right? All the meal preparation, the getting together, the plans with family. That's going to come to an end. For me, uh, being notified every day of the great countdown to Christmas by my 10-year-old is going to come to an end today. Today will be the last time he will tell me how many days there are until Christmas. This began on Thanksgiving Day, and I have faithfully heard how many days till Christmas every day since then. Today is the last day of getting notified. Yeah. Um, the pressure, right? The pressure is about to be eased. The pressure of gifts, right? Because we're going to talk today about giving gifts. The pressure that's on us for gifts, Right? Right, I mean, in two directions, you know, kids, there's pressure on, right? Don't blow this. It's Christmas, right? I grew up, you had this one shot to have this, this one main gift, and then there were the accompanying gifts with it. But the main gift was a big deal, and you didn't want to blow the main gift. You had just one shot at getting this unique thing that was going to invade your life, and it was going to make quite a difference in your life from that day forward. And I've got remembrances of, of gifts that I received that for, for weeks after that, life was different. Right? You know, there was the Christmas that I, I got a G.I. Joe for Christmas. And, man, I would wake up early before school and, and play with G.I. Joe in this massive helicopter that I got that he went in. And there was train sets that kept me up late. And Tyco, how many of you guys had those Tyco cars that went around the track? All night long, just, you know, having to be told to go to bed. These are life-changing presents, at least for a few weeks, right? Uh, But there's pressure on. You know, there was one year, it was the most depressing Christmas ever. I woke up. The gift that I received was a croquet set. Some of y'all can't even laugh because you don't even know what a croquet set is, right? This is not an historically significant gift to be given to a child on Christmas. But somehow my parents thought, this is what Keith really wants. The disappointment was, I almost needed counseling. I mean, it was terrible that Christmas. So, so what is the ultimate gift? I've got a couple of slides here just to, to, to bring you through. Like right now, there's Christmas pressure for those of you that are currently facing what gift did you really, really want for this Christmas? Now, if you're born in the last 10 years or so, can you? Here we go. All right, so 
Right, these are, these are high-pressure gifts in the last 10 years, whether you realize it or not. There's a couple of them that are current for this year. Some of y'all are hoping some of this is going to appear tomorrow for you. Uh, some of us as parents stood in line at ridiculous hours to score some of these things. I'm seeing a couple of them there that I couldn't find anywhere and had to go to like 85 places to find it. Parents, can you identify? All right, so... If you've been, you know, if you're a child in the last 10 years, these, these are significant life-changing gifts, right? Now, if you're a little older, maybe you're a child of the 80s and the 90s, it's a little different set of gifts that were really must-haves, right? I actually researched this, right? These are like the most popular and important gifts by year, right? So some of y'all, how many guys were like dying for a Cabbage Patch doll? Come on. See, it's starting to get a little older. The hand's going up in here right now, right? And then the original Nintendo. I mean, this changed everything, didn't it? I mean, this is the beginning. A Rubik's Cube. How many of y'all were really wanting a Rubik's Cube, though? There's a few of y'all wanted a Rubik's Cube. That's concerning. Um, Beanie Babies. Ninja Turtles. All right, now listen. If this stuff is, is not old enough for you, give me one more hit at some really important items here. All right. All right, now stick with me because this is going back a ways. That's Pastor Peter back in the 1920s getting a little red wagon. It was so exciting, wasn't it, at Christmas time? I mean, that was the thing, a red wagon. And then uh, I think that's Bill Treby's next one. Uh, back when Bill was out in El Paso, you could get a Red Rider carbine. I love this if you pay attention for $2.95. You could buy parents. Are you loving this deal? I, I don't think I got a stocking stuffer for $2.95. I think gum costs more than that. All right, so then eventually, if you're a child of the 40s or 50s, slinky. How many of y'all just, how many of y'all got a slinky? We're very excited about getting a slinky. Isn't that awesome? Slinky. Mr. Potato Head. Got any Mr. Potato Head, folks? Right. These were exciting gifts, weren't they? I mean, this major Christmas G.I. Joe, Easy Bake Oven, ladies. How many got an Easy Bake Oven? Yes. Yeah, I'm grateful for the training that that brought. All right, how many of you guys were excited to get a pet rock? Let me just see, because this was a really weird gift item. I mean, things had gone bad here by the time this happens. And then the granddaddy of them all, an Atari system. How many guys got an Atari system? This was life-changing, wasn't it? All right. All right, well, here's, here's the reality. All this gift-giving, where, where do we get the idea that we're going to give gifts and that these gifts are going to have a significant impact on our lives? Well, we, we get that from the Bible, right? And there's this thought that there's, there's a gift that we could get that would really make a lasting impact, a lasting impact on our lives. Because let's, let's be serious, right? You know, kids, let's be serious. If I were to ask you right now, pull you up here, stick you in front of the microphone and say, what did you get for Christmas last year? Now, how quickly could you answer that two years ago? I mean, immediately things are starting to fade. And then if I were to say, and where is that Christmas present today? Right, right now your mind's been going uh, under the bed, uh, back of a shelf, uh, left it out in the rain. All right? Somehow that gift didn't produce lasting impact. Right? So for all the kids here, gifts 
as exciting as they are, and I'm excited, I'm more excited now to give gifts, but I was excited to get gifts. And I have tons of wonderful memories of getting gifts and, and, and the excitement of Christmas. But, but here's what you're going to learn about these gifts. They, they sort of come into your life, there's this moment of woo, and, and then they just don't travel with you very far into life. If you have older teenage brothers and sisters, or if you have relatives who are in their 20s, you ask them about the gifts they got when they were 7, 8, 12, if they remember them at all, they're not going to tell you that they stuck with them. So, are there any gifts that just last forever? Is there a gift that you and I can get that's going to make an impact on our lives, whether you are 7 years old or 77 years old? It's going to be a gift to open, and I'm going to open this gift in a little bit, that will travel with you through all of life, right? Let's learn a little bit about this gift. Isaiah chapter 9, if you're there in your Bible, read along with me. Verse 1 says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he's made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, this draws our attention to the great act of giving. You are the giver, you give the ultimate gift. To us, to us, a son is given. So, Lord, we, we're looking to get around gifts today. Lord, today, tomorrow, will, more gifts will be exchanged today, perhaps, than any other day in human history. Lord, teach us something this morning about what you give to us that keeps on affecting our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, quick setting here. Isaiah is a prophet 
writing some 700 years before Jesus Christ is born in a manger. And in that day, that day, real life is going on. Right? We're in a season, right? Christmas season. But real life is going on in Isaiah. And in the midst of the life that they're living, the words that float to the surface, right? This is what life feels like. It's, it's words like gloom, anguish, deep darkness, right? Now listen, those aren't the words of Thanksgiving to Christmas, and they're definitely not the words of December. Although we try to keep them at bay, Right? This is a hard time of year for some people. For some people, that is how this time of year feels. Something about the specialness of it highlights the brokenness, the broken version that we're living in right now. But, but here's a warning. Because it's exciting to open gifts. It's exciting for us to be together as families and friends. But you know this. January is coming. When January comes, we take down all the decorations. We momentarily put that distracting element of the season of Christmas to the side. And we do what? We go back to life. And everybody knows that. One of the most depressing things I I, I encounter, and it's always been true since I was a kid, is the house after you take the decorations down. (laughs) Right? I mean, you walk in and it's like, oh. This is it, huh? Babe, does it always look this ugly? You know, there's something about the specialness. But, but you and I know it's, that specialness is, is an interruption, isn't it? And you and I are kind of like on a high right now. Being distracted from all the heavy, harsh, difficult elements of life. Mike Cosper wrote a book called Recapturing the Wonder and he says not everything in the cosmos in this world is a source of unbridled delight. That's a, that's a good revelation. Not everything in life is euphoric, is wonderful, is awesome, lights your day up, makes you feel like woohoo. But you know, you and I have lived in generations that hasn't seen wars we, we haven't been plagued by anything. You know, you go back and you study history and some people come to Christmas and there's been a plague that century that killed thousands, millions of people, relatives. You have stories to tell. You and I haven't lived in a period of severe economic collapse. Oh, you know, sure, yeah, you had the 2008 situation. You had something in the early 2000s. But did you see how fast we recovered from that? It was like momentary freak out followed by everything's back to normal. We don't know what it is to live a life that heads south really bad. So we just keep thinking everything just gets better and better and better. And we expect more and more and more from each other. I don't, I don't know what kind of expectations you're dragging to underneath your Christmas tree. But man, I think you, know, you might be thinking there's, there's like a car going to pop out of one of these things. right? I mean, just expectations are so high. And I'm talking to the nine-year-olds here. Um, just, we just think big stuff should be coming our way. But that's not how life always is. He says the world is a dark place full of suffering and death. We inevitably have to face the darkness no matter how hard we try to distract ourselves 
from it. To distract ourselves from it. Can I just point something out about that, that little phrase right there? I think one of the things that Christmas does for us that we haven't exactly signed on for, but quite honestly we appreciate, is it distracts us. It just takes our mind off of the routines, the day-to-day, the sameness, the boredom, the fact that life sometimes is just doing the same stuff over and over and over again. And then sometimes that same stuff doesn't feel all that rewarding and special and awesome. And then Christmas comes along and there's decorations and we don't just stare at the same old room. Oh, it's a decorated room now. It's a decorated house. There's events. There's special things going on. There's something for us to pay attention to. We're running from store to store and buying and thinking and we just, it just, life is different. Thank you for the distraction. Because sometimes just staring at life can be one of the hardest things you'll do. Can I just tell you something? Just years and years of counseling with people has introduced me to this. I'm going to write something about this one day. I think most of our vices in our lives are nothing more than distractions. That's all they're intended to do. Life sits right in front of us with all of its darkness, anguish, challenge, heaviness, sometimes not rewarding us the way we hoped that it would. And it sits right there in front of us. And we stare at it. And it feels menacing or empty or too familiar. So what do I need? I I need a distraction in that moment. Well, what do you use for a distraction? I'll go to the refrigerator, right? Food, food becomes a distraction, right? The vices that become problems in our lives are just distraction. How many people just, life just wasn't doing something to them, so all of a sudden alcohol or a drug. Uh, Smoking, I used to smoke when I was a, teenager. It was a distraction. I mean, what do you do for that moment, right? It's like a ceremony. Those of you guys who have ever been smokers, right? You have this moment where you're just doing life, you're doing life, you're doing life, and then you interrupt doing life with a smoke. And you do stuff with the smoke, you know? Blow rings and Blow big, blow small. I mean, it's just, it's just all this stuff. Like your mind can just get off of life and all it is is about a smoke. And, you know, another hour or so later and you'll just need another distraction, right? There's so many things in our lives that all they are is distractions to us. But why is it that we need to be distracted? Because life sometimes doesn't feel real fun and attractive. And that's the setting that Isaiah describes here, right? Charles Spurgeon about this Isaiah setting says, The last verses of the 8th chapter picture a horrible state of wretchedness and despair, quote, And they shall pass through it hard-pressed and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. But see what a change awaits them. What a marvelous light from the midst of a dreadful darkness. It is an astounding change such as only God with us could work. Right? This gloomy setting is going to give way to verse 5. 
Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Right, so here's this picture. Life with all of its battles. It's almost like life is depicted here as a war. We, there's these daily battles and, there, and there's, you're dressed in soldier gear and there's blood on your uniform. So there's this battle being fought, this battle to overcome anguish and despair here. And Isaiah says, but there's coming a day when the soldier boots and the blood-stained soldier camouflage is going to be balled up and burned. Why? Because the war will be over and you won't fight that battle with anguish anymore. Well, what can do that? What what can end the wars that are inside of your soul? Can can the Christmas season do that? It can do it when you're seven or eight or nine. But if you get much older than that, you start realizing, didn't we just do this last year? Didn't this just roll around? Didn't? And then you look at your life and you quickly do the math and you realize it didn't fix anything. It didn't make anything permanent. It wasn't lasting. And that, that gift that you were looking forward to, that gift at Christmas, you start looking back and you say, how far did it even travel into the year? Did it make it to February? Before I needed something else, something more to show up. Right? You and I know in January... The war returns. You're just on temporary leave right now. You're going to put your army boots back on and your camouflage back on and you're going to face life. And life is going to go to war again. But something happens in Isaiah that says, no, 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 no. Burn your boots and your blood-stained camouflage. And here's why. Look, look at verse 6. Here's why. For to us, a child is born. To us... A son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Right? There's something that makes such a difference in our lives. This gift given by God. This son given to us is going to have such an impact that he's going to become the ruling principle of our lives. The government shall be on his shoulders. Listen, I don't know what was governing you on your way into the Christmas season. Debt, a health issue, broken relationship stuff, struggles going on. Just a sense of depression that had come over you. Those things begin to govern us, don't they? Right? That's the government that's over us. It says the government will be on him. He will be the one who governs us. Again, Charles Spurgeon says, it, it may be that your heart is in such a ferment of grief that you know not what you think, but are like a man at his wit's end. For such as you, there shines this star of the first magnitude. Jesus has appeared to save, and he is God and man in one person. Man, that he may feel our woes. God, that he may help us out of them. No minister can save you. No priest can save you. You know this right well. But there is one who is able to save to the uttermost, for he is God as well as man. The great God is good 
at a deadlift. When everything else has failed, the, the lever of omnipotence can lift a world of sin. Jesus is almighty to save. That which is in itself is an impossibility is possible with God. Sin, which nothing else can remove, is blotted out by the blood of Emmanuel. Emmanuel, our Savior, is God with us. And God with us means difficulty removed and a perfect work accomplished. This is why Isaiah can stare off into the war of life and can say, ball up your garments and burn them. Because this one who is given puts an end to all of that. And he does so permanently, right? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This is not a seasonal thing, right? The the decorations aren't coming down. What Jesus does for us is going to last forever. Now that's 700 years before Christ. Now some... 800 years later, look at this verse in Galatians chapter 1, verse 2, right? 800 years later, to the churches of Galatia. And what was true for them, we could say to the churches in New Orleans. today. This is true for us. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself. For our sins. To deliver us from the present evil age. According to the will of God our Father. Where do we get this idea to give stuff? Christmas is this monumental giant event where people do something that they don't even know why they're doing it. Frantically running to and out of stores and buying stuff and giving stuff and giving stuff. And if you're an intentional, thoughtful person, you're trying to find gifts that are going to mean something in that person's life, right? That, that this is going to show up in ways that bless them and are meaningful. Where do we get this idea? This is what God has done for us. He has given us something. That our lives desperately need. We're very familiar with the John 3.16 passage, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I love these two verses back to back because Galatians tells us that Christ gave himself to us. And then John tells us that the Father gave Christ to us. See, the whole of God, the Trinity, was involved in this selection of the ultimate gift to be given into our lives. And Galatians says this. This is going to bring us to our, our gift today. The ultimate gift, by the way. I don't know where you shopped, but the ultimate gift is inside that box. Just saying. Should I open it? All right, we'll get to it in a minute. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Did you know this Christmas season, this is is not in any, well actually it is in some of the Christmas songs. What am I saying? 
But we don't like to sing about it. But did you know that you live in a present evil age? The reason why you've got army boots and blood on your camouflage is because you live in an evil age. And sin has infected everything in this world, including you. You and I are infected by this disease, this thing in us called sin. And it reaches in and it touches every dimension of our lives. It's everywhere. And it's going to travel with you through life. And so, you know, whether right now you're thinking, I hope I'm getting that bike tomorrow. Right? However age that is, that the bike is the gift of all gifts. I can remember that was a gift of all gifts. Much better than a croquet set. Just everybody go home tomorrow when you open your gifts and you think, thank God I'm not Keith. That's what you say when you don't see a croquet set underneath your tree. But man, man. Oh, the bike, the bike of all bikes, finally. All right. I'm not trying to be a killjoy here. But you live in a present evil age where sin creeps its way into everything. So you're going to get on that bike. It's going to be awesome. At some point, you're going to notice the bike is not as awesome as you thought it was. It's going to be a little more common to you. You're going to treat it like it's common. Your parents are going to yell at you because you left it out in the rain and they spent a lot of money for that bike. But for you, it's, it's losing its specialness. And you used to bring it in and wipe it down. Now, you don't even know what yard you left it in last. <laughs> Your parents drive down the street and notice it on the sidewalk. This is what's going to travel with you. And to see, all of life is kind of that way. Stuff comes into our lives and in the first few moments, they're like, woohoo! Right? I mean, driver's license, friendships, boyfriend, get married. I mean, everything is going to go the same path as that bike. At some point, it's not going to feel as special to you. At some point, it's going to have warts and bruises and problems and not going to be nearly as rewarding as you thought it was. That's kind of what the present evil age does, right? All right, if you want to conduct this experiment, here's the kids. You can, you can, kid, this is a take-home. This is a take-home experiment right here. It's got nothing to do with the Garden of Eden, by the way. Uh, just an apple. All right, so if you were to find your household apple, right, when you go home, take a big bite out of it. Not a, I'm going to take a little bite because I have to keep talking. I don't want to talk with my mouth full. Mm, not bad. So you take this bite, big bite, sweet, juicy, just right. And then you take this apple and you set it on the kitchen counter. And just leave it there. Check on it tomorrow. (laughs) You're not going to be nearly as attracted to it for some reason. Right? Something got inside of it. Begins to brown. It begins to decay. Right? Come back a week later. Come back a month later. See how interested you are in that apple. This is the nature of living in a world that is this way. This, this phrase, 
He gave himself for us. For our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. This has got present evil age stuff in it. Everything about your life has present evil age stuff in it. Be careful how you let these things into your life, into your heart. Because they're going to turn into this apple after a little while. And there's nothing you can do to make those things not do that. But to us, a son is given. This gift that he brings to us, it, it, it changes everything, right? What could be in here, right? Can I just say what is in here is the ultimate gift. That if, and you actually won't find it under a tree because it, it really can't be under a tree. It's hope. It's a gift of hope. See, whatever it is that we want these gifts that we're going to get tonight, tomorrow, to do for us, we want it to feel like this on the inside. And just for a moment, for a moment, G.I. Joe got me up early. For a moment. I'm still not waking up early for G.I. Joe, trust me. But for the first week or so, it was worth getting up 20 extra minutes before I went to school. Because there was this sense of anticipation. There's something about this new thing that had come into my life and what it might do for me that made me feel something on the inside. I was feeling something of hope. What Christ gives to us in himself as the gift of all gifts is he gives us the gift of hope because he is the only one who can rescue us from this present evil age. And he, he does so in many ways now, here, but he's going to do so permanently forever to where you will never see an ugly apple in heaven because that evil age will be over. The gift that we have received It will be a new day made possible by this gift given to us by the Son who was given. And be careful. Be careful what you let slide into the hope category. 1 Timothy 4 verse 10 says, We have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Carefully say this. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy gifts. It's interesting that as the the son was being given as this gift in Isaiah. Isaiah says this. He says they're going to rejoice before you as with the joy of harvest. And they are glad as when they divide the spoil. So Isaiah turns around and says "You you know how excited you get over harvest? Right, that moment when the crop comes in and you begin to gather it and you taste of the fruit of what was planted and you know there's going to be provision and your heart goes, yes, there's harvest. Or the day of victory in life when there are spoils. You did something that achieved something and it brought some good into your life and you're supposed to rejoice over that. So do. 
Rejoice. Open every gift with this sense of what a blessing, what an enjoyment. Enjoy everything you give to one another. Just be careful. Do not set your hope there. Because there's only one gift ever given that can hold out hope for you unto us. A child is born unto us. A son is given. Set your hope there in him, in him alone. Let's pray for a moment. Then we're going to have the children's choir come up. Lord, I thank you for this special time of year. It's flooded with memories. It's full of things to rejoice in and enjoy. But Lord, I've done a few of them now. Been down this road many, many times. And and I I do know this is temporary. And what's coming is, is life. And life has got battles and challenges and anguish and heartache sometimes in it. Lord, thank you for this season to remind us a gift has been given to us like no other gift. One to whom we look and when we trust in him and look to him, the son who was given. Our hearts are filled with hope. A hope That says alive when I'm seven years old is when I'll be 70 years old. A hope that never diminishes. It doesn't get rotted away by the present evil age. It is a hope found firmly in the God who is faithful to his promise. Who is real to us in our hearts. And who makes all things new. Lord, that is what we celebrate. And that is the great gift that we open at this time of year. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.